You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is episode on the phone. Here. 42. We. Yeah. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? October 15th, 2021. And let me just tell you this. Every single week, I start to wonder, are we ever going to run out of interesting things to talk about on the Air Torres Sports Podcast? If it happens, today is not that day. Loaded show, so much to get into. We will open with this quarterback craziness at Oklahoma. Uh, the latest, the student newspaper has staked out Oklahoma football practice. They have some details. We'll talk about what it means for Oklahoma, what it means, of course, for the two quarterbacks that are currently on the roster. A lot to get into there. From there, we will switch to a topic and a conversation that I want to have in the lead-up to the big game this weekend, Kentucky and Georgia. It is obviously the big game. It is obviously a game that so many of you will be watching. And the big question that is coming out of this game is this. As Mark Stoops puts together another incredible season at Kentucky, is there at all a possibility that he would ever leave Kentucky? And if so, what kind of jobs would interest him? Obviously, LSU, UCF, USC are open. We will talk about Mark Stoops and why I don't think it's going to take uh, – there's not very many jobs that Mark Stoops will leave Kentucky for. We'll talk week seven. Then we will close on a little college hoops. Shaden Sharp, the number one high school prospect in, in high school basketball, may actually enroll in college this year. What does that mean? What does it look like? And then from there – how about Arkansas, another top 10 prospect, Jordan Walsh, elite player, a player that I love, has committed to the Hogs. We will talk about him and what this means for the recruiting boon of Eric Musselman at Arkansas of the SEC as a whole. Great show, loaded show, so much to discuss. But before we get to all the big topics, though, quick reminder, told you last week, super fired up. Aaron Torres Media and the Aaron Torres Podcast has partnered with DraftKings all football season long, all fall long, and DraftKings has an incredible deal for all listeners of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast that I want to tell you about, so here goes. It is October, the playoffs are underway, pro football is underway, even NHL hockey is underway. Here is the deal that DraftKings is giving to listeners of the Aaron Torres Podcast. New users, check this out, can bet $1 on any MLB playoff game this week, or any MLB playoff game this month, excuse me. 
any NHL game or any pro football game. You just bet $1 and you get $100 in free bets if the following happens. If you bet a Major League Baseball game and the team that you bet on gets one hit, you get $100 in free bets. If the pro football team you bet on gets one point, scores a single point, you get $100 in free bets. And if the NHL team that you bet on scores one goal, you get $100 in free bets. So hypothetically, uh, the Los Angeles is in the playoffs. MLB, they get one hit in baseball. You win that bet and get $100. That is an incredible deal via DraftKings for listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast. And again, bet $1 if the MLB team you bet on gets one hit NHL team gets one goal or the pro football team gets one point you get $100 of free bets this is all you got to do if you want to take advantage of this opportunity all you got to do click the link in the podcast description so you listen on iTunes you listen on Apple there is a link in that description click on that same link is available at the top of my Twitter page at Aaron underscore Torres from there you make your first deposit You place $1, as I said, any pro football game, any MLB game, any NHL game. And if that team scores one point in football, one run in base, one hit in baseball, excuse me, or one goal in hockey, you get $100 in free bets instantly. Incredible deal. It's going the next few weeks. Click the link in the podcast description. Go to Apple. Click this episode. You'll see a link. That is thanks to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. I should mention, by the way, If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 1-800 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Must be 18-plus or more in Wyoming, 21-plus. Eligible only in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And let's get into, you know, just some stuff that's happened since the last time I recorded the Air Tour Sports Podcast. And it's funny because, you know, every single week I, I wonder, you know, what are we going to talk about on these Wednesday episodes and Friday episodes? Is there going to be enough to discuss? And every single week, college football delivers. And I don't think there's a bigger story in the sport right now than what is going on at Oklahoma with the quarterback situation coming out of the Texas game. And we did get an update earlier this week via the Oklahoma student newspaper of all places. Uh, as a little bit of backstory, you guys know the deal, but just as a quick reminder, Spencer Rattler was uh, the preseason Heisman favorite, a potential first-round NFL draft pick, uh, coming off actually a pretty decent year last year. I think he gets criticized a lot, but he actually played pretty well last year. But it was clear early on, even though that Oklahoma was winning, they were struggling with him under center. They play Texas. They fall down early. Lincoln Riley goes to his bench. His backup quarterback just so happens to be a kid named Caleb Williams, who was the number one high school quarterback in America last year. Caleb Williams comes in, rallies Texas to victory, er, rallies Oklahoma to victory over Texas, and it immediately becomes clear, oh boy, Lincoln Riley's got a problem. Now, it's a good problem to have. 
You have two really good quarterbacks, one playing better than the other, but it is clear that he is going to have to try and keep both guys happy because right now the guy that's supposed to be his starter is not playing as well as his backup. So that is where we were at coming into the week. We didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but on Wednesday we got an update from the Oklahoma student newspaper. And before we get into it, just give them a quick shout out because they did a great job uncovering details on the story that everybody's trying to get details on. And this is what the Oklahoma student newspaper did. This is the update since the last time I recorded the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, Oklahoma football has basically closed off practice. Obviously, like most places, they don't have open practices. They don't have, you know, you can't just come in and watch. And even the media has probably limited to no access to most of the regular practice. Well, the Oklahoma student newspaper decided, you know what? We're going to get to the bottom of this story. And so what they did was they found a building on campus where they could see and view practice and see and view who was playing quarterback for Oklahoma. They do it. They see that Caleb Williams is taking the first team reps. They print the story. Spencer Rattler's working with the backups. And all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, we got ourselves kind of a huge controversy as Oklahoma football closes off all media availability until after the game on Saturday as they get set to play TCU. Let me just say really quick, I kind of think they're overreacting. Um, We all know they're going to play both quarterbacks. We all know TCU is preparing for both quarterbacks. Uh, I don't really know why you got to freak out and pretend like that's not going to happen. But nonetheless, uh, it proves that Caleb Williams is getting the first team reps. He will probably be the starter against TCU. And Lincoln Riley's got a little bit of a problem on his hands in terms of trying to keep both these guys happy. Now, as I did say on Monday's show... I do think it's worth noting that Oklahoma has TCU this week, then at Kansas, then at Texas Tech. Kansas and Texas Tech are probably the two worst teams in this conference. So there is a very good chance that Lincoln Riley can keep this thing going for a while. But it's clear that he is going to have to settle on a quarterback at some point in the not-too-distant future. And at one point, somebody's going to get mad. It's either going to be the starting quarterback coming into the season who's a Heisman favorite. It's either going to be the backup who has rightfully earned the job, at least for now. Uh, But it is a crazy story, and that is the update. But then there's an update beyond the update that I really want to get into because this is the interesting part to me. Everybody focused on Wednesday on the fact that Oklahoma closed up media availability because of the report from the Oklahoma student newspaper. What got totally brushed under the rug, and I don't understand why, because to me this was a much bigger story, was that on top of getting the scoop on the quarterback position at Oklahoma, the Oklahoma student newspaper also tracked down the father of Spencer Rattler for an interview. Apparently Spencer Rattler missed practice on Monday. It was excused by Lincoln Riley, but there was already speculation that Spencer Rattler, if he does not get the starting quarterback job, could leave and leave right away. So they tracked down Spencer Rattler's dad, and he had some really interesting things to say. So let's get into it. Let's talk about what he said, because I find it absolutely fascinating. This is what Spencer Rattler's dad said to the Oklahoma student newspaper about his son's future with the team. This is what he said. For right now, He's focused on working for this team, and we'll see what happens after January 10th. Hopefully, he'll be playing in the national championship on January 10th, and then after that, we'll evaluate where he is as far as if any teams are interested in him in the NFL. We'll consider that. If we think, hey, you know what? We may ought to do another year or something at Oklahoma, wherever. We're leaving our options open, whereas that's concerned. But for the most part, right now, we don't even talk about it because he's got a task at hand to deal with. So let me say this. Like, on the one hand, That's not some crazy controversial quote, 
And I do think he did the right thing by kind of tempering things. He didn't say too much. We're focused on the task at hand. We're focused on right now, the goals to win a national championship, all that stuff. But here is the money quote and the quote that tells you that something is happening in the quarterback room in the next three months at Oklahoma. If we think, hey, you know what? We may ought to do another year or something at Oklahoma, wherever, we're leaving our options open. That is the money quote right there because that says change is coming at Oklahoma, whether it's soon, whether it's in the future, whether it's whatever. And the way that I see it, one of three scenarios is going to happen. One of really four scenarios is going to happen, but none of them involve Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams both being at this school for very much longer. One has got to go. Something's got to give. One, Spencer Rattler regains the job, goes off to the NFL, in which case he's gone to the NFL after the season. Two, Spencer Rattler regains the job, uh, plays well, but not well enough to go to the NFL. Then Caleb Williams will leave, although that seems to me like the least likely of the scenarios, that Spencer Rattler plays well enough to regain the job, but not well enough uh, to go to the NFL. That seems very unlikely to me. The third scenario, Spencer Rattler just leaves and says, I'm out. I'm going to go train for the NFL draft. And the fourth option is, of course, that Spencer Rattler decides to leave and transfer a topic that is slowly starting to pick up steam. And so what I want to do now is I don't want to speculate. I don't want to overdo it. But at the same time, it feels like if you miss practice, if you get put to the second team, and if your dad feels the need to put out quotes after the team cancels media availability, something is going on behind the scenes there and something is going to give quick. And I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting. Now, on the one hand, I could see the scenario where Spencer Rattler just says, you know what? I was a Heisman guy coming in. I was a preseason favorite coming in. People thought I was an NFL talent coming in. I'm just going to bounce. I'm from Arizona. I'm going to go prepare for the NFL draft and hope that my high school stock, my, my pedigree, everything that I have done throughout my entire career is enough to get me drafted pretty high. It's not what I would recommend. It's not what I think would happen. But it is worth noting, Kirk Herbstreet himself, friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, I might add, Kirk Herbstreet actually referenced that that could happen. And Kirk Herbstreet doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would say something like that if he didn't have pretty good intel that it is at the very least a possibility. Again, Spencer Rattler being from Arizona makes it easier. That's where he's from. That's where most guys work out and train in the lead up to the NFL draft. And I could see that happening. What I would also say if Spencer Rattler hits the transfer portal, that might be the single most fascinating transfer that we've had basically in modern college football history. And to be clear, I'm not rooting for it. I hope it all works itself out. I hope Spencer Rattler has a great career. But at the same time, again, I talk about the topics that you want. I talk about the topics that are interesting. And this has become a fascinating topic because I think really he would go down as one of the most highly coveted transfers in recent college football history. Because think about it, most of the guys that have hit the portal, it's one of two things. They're either really highly coveted coming out of high school, but they haven't performed at the college level, or they maybe performed, or they just aren't even known at the college level, right? Like, like Joe Burrow had a, a great, you know, four-year career at Ohio State, but nobody knew anything about him. Nobody knew how good he was. It's not like he performed at an elite level at Ohio State and then hit the portal. Um you know, I'm trying to think. Baker Mayfield had success, but not like Spencer Rattler. Kyler Murray, highly rated recruit, but he hadn't had success like Spencer Rattler. Justin Fields, highly rated recruit, but did not have the success of Spencer Rattler. And so you start going on down the list. Outside of Jalen Hurts, I mean, who would be a bigger quarterback to hit the portal 
than Spencer Rattler. And again, I'm not saying he's definitively leaving, but I think when you start factoring in what his dad said, working with the special team or with the second team, Caleb Williams got first team reps. There's something brewing here. Now on top, of, now in terms of where he could go, that's the extra interesting thing because I think just about anywhere in college football would would be interested in him. And you start to think about the possibilities. First of all. Lane Kiffin's probably going to lose his starting quarterback after this year. Would Ole Miss be a possibility? I'm just speculating. I'm just throwing it out there because it's going to be a topic over the next three, four, five weeks if it's clear that Caleb Williams is the starter. Spencer Rattler's from the West Coast. Could he go back to the Pac-12? USC, Keaton Slovis is probably going to be gone after this year. Is that a possibility? They have Jackson Dart, but is he the long-term answer? Chip Kelly, UCLA, quarterback whisperer at one time in his career. Is that the answer? He's from Arizona. Arizona State has a former NFL head coach coaching them. I know they have Jaden Daniels. But again, you just start to think about all the possibilities out there. It is absolutely incredible. Now, probably the elite of the elite, Ohio State's going to have a bunch of returning quarterbacks. Alabama's going to have a returning quarterback. Clemson's going to have a returning quarterback. But you take those schools out of the mix, all of a sudden you start to wonder where he could end up. I'll give you one other school, by the way. How about Texas? Texas right now has two very nice quarterbacks, Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. I don't know that Casey Thompson is the quarterback that's putting his team on his back and leading them to a national championship, Texas A&M. So imagine that. Spencer Rattler leaves Oklahoma. Is it possible Texas? Is it possible Texas A&M? I have no idea. Again, I, I don't love to speculate on where kids that aren't even in the portal could, get, could end up. But once again, when you factor in what Spencer Rattler's dad said, that he was working with the second team, and just how good Caleb Williams looked the other day, I think at some point in the near future, he's going to be out. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I want to come back, and I want to get to a topic that many of you have asked me about the last couple weeks. Obviously, the big game this weekend is Georgia hosting Kentucky. Kentucky is in the middle of a historic, potentially potentially historic, absolutely incredible season. And some of you are beginning to ask, do I think there's any chance that Mark Stoops ever leaves Kentucky? And if so, what jobs would actually interest him? So I want to come back. I want to talk about that. Uh, and then we'll preview week seven. We'll get to some college hoops. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back, good to be back. And I do want to switch gears, and we'll get to some of the Week 7 games in a minute. Not a huge slate, so we won't spend a ton of time talking about them. But I do want to, before we get to Week 7, talk about a topic that has kind of come up over the last couple days, and a topic that I think a lot of you have kind of asked me about. Week 7, big game, we all know what it is. It is Kentucky at Georgia, uh, Kentucky is ranked number 11 in the country. How they are not in the top 10, I say, I've said it all week. I can't remember the last time a 6-0 SEC team that was 4-0 in league play was not ranked in the top 10. But they're playing at Georgia, and it's going to be a tough game, and Georgia is a heavy favorite for a reason. But what I would also say is whether Kentucky wins or if Kentucky loses, it does not change the fact that they are probably the best story in college football right now. I mean, there are other good ones. I don't think that there is a better story than the University of Kentucky right now where Mark Stoops is doing something, and I've tweeted this out the last few weekends. I think it is one of the great stories and rebuilds that I have ever seen in my time watching college sports. Kentucky, in my lifetime, before Mark Stoops got there, essentially had no football history to speak of. 
You make a bowl game every couple years. Sometimes you go seven and five. Sometimes you go five and seven. But you are in the pecking order in the SEC way down the list. Mark Stoops gets there. It admittedly takes a while. It was not in good shape when he got there. But now he has this thing rolling. And I think Kentucky is one of the most stable programs in the SEC right now. On top of that, doing things that have very rarely, if ever, been done there. Two years, or three years ago, excuse me, 2018, they win 10 games. Uh, this year, it feels as though they are trending towards, at the very least, another 10-win season. And when you start to look at the schedule, you know, Florida's behind them, LSU's behind them, a tough road game at South Carolina is behind them. I don't think 11 wins is out of the question and potentially a New Year's Six Bowl game, which could be the Sugar Bowl, could be the Fiesta Bowl, whatever. And so I bring all this up because Mark Stoops is doing something incredible heading into the Georgia game. And before we get to the preview, I want to hit on something that a lot of you guys have asked me. Everyone knows we have a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show, and a ton of you have asked me point blank straight up in the last probably two, three weeks. You've slid into my mentions, you've slid into my DMs, and you've asked me one simple question. Torres, do you ever think Mark Stoops would leave Kentucky? And if so, where would he leave for? Um, because this is the price of success anywhere in college football. When you have success, your coach is going to be in demand. And essentially, if they're not coaching at Alabama, Ohio State, wherever, the, you know, there's always a chance that somebody could jump in and grab them. And by the way, even when you're at Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, there's a chance the NFL could come swoop your coach. So a lot of you have asked me about Mark Stoops, and I want to hit on it, and I want to say this. I think if you're a Kentucky fan, I really don't think there's much to worry about. And what I would also say is I really only think despite his success, there's a couple jobs that really make sense for Mark Stoops. First of all, I think if I was a betting man, which, which, which I am, by the way, thanks to our partners at DraftKings, um, if I was a betting man, what I would say is pretty simple. If I had to wager on where Mark Stoops ends his career, I would actually bet it's going to be Kentucky. So, so if you're a Kentucky fan that wor is worried that all this success is going to ultimately end with Mark Stoops leaving, I would say I still think at the end of the day he probably retires at Kentucky. And the reason he retires at Kentucky is because something that I think any Kentucky fan or really I, I think really any college football fan at this point kind of knows, Kentucky's kind of a great job in the pantheon of college football. Now, there are certainly schools, and we talk about them all the time, LSU, Texas, Ohio State, Penn State, that probably have a higher ceiling in the big picture. But many argue, I've heard Andy Staples, great college football writer for The Athletic, argue that Kentucky is actually the best job in college football. Now, some of you Bama fans, uh, you know, Florida fans, Tennessee, well, whoever, you're probably sitting there saying, that's the most preposterous thing that I've ever heard. But the argument that Kentucky is the best job in college football is pretty simple. You get paid like an SEC coach. Mark Stoops makes over $5 million a year. You are at a school where you get all of the financial support of, the, of an SEC school. There is no thing that if Mark Stoops keeps winning that he wants that he won't get. Uh, I just saw some tweets, as a matter of fact, on Thursday about facility upgrades, all that kind of stuff. And on top of that, you do not have the crazy expectations of most SEC schools. That is not a criticism. That is what makes the SEC great. Um, but there's a lot of schools where if you go 9-3, and three, you go 8-4, and four, you might lose your job. I mean, Coach O could go 8-4 and four this year. I think he's probably going to lose his job. Uh, Dan Mullen's going 9-3, and three and, and some Florida fans are mad with him every single year. Kentucky is not one of those places, and so that is the argument that it is one of the best jobs in college football. You get a couple nine-win seasons, a 10-win season, maybe an 11-win season, they're going to build you a freaking statue. 
it's not you're not on a one-year clock like Coach O. You win a national championship, and 18 months later, they're trying to get rid of you. You have time at Kentucky. You can have a down year. And if you win 8, 9, 10 games every so often, they're going to build a freaking statue for you. As a matter of fact, I would argue that right now in the SEC, Mark Stoops probably has more job security than anyone other than Nick Saban. And so if I was betting on if he ever leaves, I actually think that he'll stay. But what I would also say is that even with all of his success, I don't believe that he would be a great fit at a lot of places, which also helps Kentucky. First of all, there are the ones that just make no sense. USC is currently opened up. Really cool gig. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I live in L.A. Mark Stoops doesn't feel L.A. to me. Pete Carroll felt L.A. Even Lane Kiffin, for all we criticize, he felt USC. Sark felt USC. James Franklin feels USC. Mark Stoops does not feel USC. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's their first call. I don't see that one, though. On top of that, I think because of his blueprint for building Kentucky, I don't think he makes sense for a lot of other jobs either. For people who are not familiar with kind of what he's done at Kentucky and how he's gotten him to this level, he is obviously, uh, you know, one of the Stoops brothers, obviously really well connected in Ohio. And essentially what he did was early in his time there and, and really throughout his time, even now, he's gone up to Ohio and said a couple things. One, if you're not going to Ohio State, come pl- whether you're coming to Ohio State or not, leave that boring, slow, three yards in a cloud of dust Big Ten, come play with us in the SEC. And so he has had a ton of success recruiting the Midwest. They're now making inroads in Michigan. Highest rated recruit in the history of the program came from Michigan. And so he is having a ton of success recruiting in the Midwest and saying, hey, come on south, come play in the SEC. Oh, by the way, Kentucky is not a very far drive for you. Your family can come, all that good stuff. And you can play the best football in college football. And so while that blueprint has been insanely successful in Kentucky, I would add, too, the transfer portal helps. You plug holes, Wandale Robinson, Will Levis, uh, you know, the Jones kid from Ole Miss, the linebacker. Um, You know, that is the blueprint. I don't know if that blueprint works at a lot of other places outside of Kentucky. And so, you know, even like a job like LSU that's open right now, right? Mark Stoops just punked LSU a few days ago. And, you know, I think maybe an LSU fan 30,000 feet says, hey, maybe he's not our first choice, but, but look at what he's done at Kentucky. But does that blueprint work? And if he goes to a school like LSU, is he going to have to completely revamp the blueprint that has led him to have success at Kentucky? And that's why I think it doesn't make sense for him for a lot of other jobs, not only that could be open this year, but could be open going forward. Um, you know, if Georgia ever opens up, I don't think Mark Stoops really makes sense. If Texas opened up again, which it probably will because it's Texas, if Oklahoma opened up, I mean, even if you're winning 10 games at Kentucky, I don't know if that blueprint makes sense for a lot of schools outside of kind of Kentucky and in that footprint. So with that said, I really don't see the number of schools where he makes a ton of sense for. So let's get into where I think he could actually legitimately leave Kentucky for because I think that list is really, really, really small. And I think most Kentucky fans kind of know where it is. One I do think the right job in the Midwest, in the Big Ten, would appeal to him. Because I do think Kentucky, this is not a criticism, it's just a reality. There is kind of a glass ceiling at Kentucky, right? You know, you you might beat Florida in one year, but now we got Georgia coming up. You might beat Georgia in one year, but now you got Alabama in the SEC championship game. And so to me, I believe that he would only leave Kentucky for probably a Midwest job. I don't think he's going anywhere else in the SEC a Midwest job where he could truly compete for national championships. I'm not talking about Purdue. I'm not talking about Illinois. I'm not talking about Iowa. I'm not talking about Wisconsin. But I do think, like, if Michigan opened up, like, like I could see 
him being a, a player at Michigan. As I just said, he recruits Michigan really well. Uh, Vince Marrow, obviously his lead recruiter, is, is, is from Ohio. They recruit Ohio very well. And so I could see the scenario where those two, uh, you know, where, where he decides that Michigan is the right job for him. But how many of those other jobs would be available? I don't think he'd be the first choice at Ohio State. Ohio State fancies themselves as we can get any coach on the planet. Um, and, you know, I think they would want to go after an NFL coach or, you know, kind of a, a national championship caliber coach, maybe back to Luke Fickle. I don't know. But outside of Ohio State, maybe Michigan. I don't even know if Penn State makes sense. I mean, Nebraska, could you, you know, Nebraska has history, but in 2021, can you really win a national championship there if that job opens up? I don't know. And so you start to whittle down the list. Again, he ain't leaving for Rutgers. He ain't leaving for, uh, you know, Purdue or Iowa or Wisconsin or Illinois. So maybe Michigan, maybe Nebraska, a school like that. The only other ones I could see potentially, you know, the, 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 two, the two Florida schools, Miami or Florida State. Um, for people who don't know, he obviously spent time at Florida State prior to coming to uh, Kentucky. He has seen it at its best. They won big there. He worked under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he worked under Bobby Bowden, I believe, there for a little while. And so, you know, if Florida State opens up, I mean, that is one that, yeah, I could see that scenario because he's familiar there. He's had success there. And oh, by the way, on top of that, let's also not forget um, that the ACC, that is a clear path to a national championship in the ACC. Not a clear path because Clemson's there, but you get the point, is that it's a much easier path than the SEC. You get Florida State rolling, you can compete for national championships. Obviously, he's familiar with Florida. He's recruited Florida, Kentucky, all that kind of stuff. The other one is Miami, and Miami's another one he's worked at. I've actually interviewed him about his time at Miami. This was many years ago when I was at FoxSports.com, um, and he really loved his time at Miami. Kind of got there in that end of the, the Larry Coker era or the beginning of the Larry Coker era where, um, you know, Ed Reed was there for a year when he was there. Uh, you know, Philip Buchanan, who's a buddy of mine, was there. Sean Taylor, the late Sean Taylor, who we found out the, the Redskins or the Washington football team is going to honor him this weekend. Very bizarre uh, decision by Washington football. But, you know, Miami's another one that I think is in play. But even Miami, I don't even know if they have the money to outbid Kentucky. I mean, Miami, for people who don't know, is actually a small private school in a major city. Now, they run Miami when they're good, but they don't, they're not the typical school that has $9 million to spend on a head coach. And, you know, I don't know if Mark Stoops is a $9 million coach, but I do think to get him to leave Kentucky, he's making five and change. You're going to have to do a lot better. So in the end, my synopsis on this topic is pretty simple. I do believe... I. I I, if I had to bet, I would guess that Mark Stoops ultimately ends his career at Kentucky. But if he does not, I really think Kentucky fans, I don't want to say you don't have to worry because I don't want to put that out there and then I get yelled at if something happens. But the list of schools that genuinely make sense for him, I actually think are really, really, really small. All right, let's get into the Week 7 slate. I'm going to make this quick because the show's going long. We got a lot uh, more to get to because we got some college hoops news. As I said, Shaden Sharp may enroll in Kentucky early. Uh, Jordan Walsh, by the way, headed to Arkansas, top 10 prospect who I think is really good. We're going to talk about that, but let's get to the Week 7 slate. And listen, the big game is Kentucky-Georgia. Um, and you don't need me to tell you about Georgia. I'm going to try to whip, whip through these games because there's not as many big games, and I've talked a lot already, and I'm going to talk a lot more. But with that said, big game, Kentucky-Georgia. Georgia, we kind of know the deal, right? They're freaking awesome. 
Georgia's a 23-and-a-half-point favorite coming into this game, and while that number feels absolutely ridiculous, and yes, it does feel absolutely ridiculous, what I would also say is it felt ridiculous when they were over a two-touchdown favorite against Arkansas two weeks ago, and they steamrolled them. It seemed like they were ridiculous that they were a two-touchdown favorite against Auburn last week on the road, and they steamrolled them. And so at the end of the day, I'm not surprised by this um, you know, by this point spread. And I think what this game ultimately will come down, well, a couple things, by the way, I should mention as well, the scary thing for Georgia is they're actually starting to get healthier as the course of the season goes on, which is the opposite of everyone else in college football. Everybody else is getting banged up. They just got one of their best corners back this week in Tyke Smith. As far as the game itself, listen, we know what Georgia is going to do. And so because of it, the way that I look at this game is a lot of what I said on Wednesday's show. Is Kentucky going to be willing to open up the passing game on offense? Georgia, to this point, hasn't needed to. Georgia's defense and run game have been so good. I do not think that Kentucky can get through this game by doing what they've been doing, which is leaning on the run game, leaning on the defense. Listen, I just talked about how great this Kentucky story is, but we also have to be realistic about where we are with Kentucky at this point in the year. Uh, barely survived on the road against South Carolina. No big deal, tough road environment, whatever. That Florida game, um, you know, Florida outgained Kentucky despite a million penalties. Kentucky holds on to win that game. LSU, by far the best game Kentucky's played. So on the one note, Kentucky is coming in on a high. But the other note, it's not as though they have played lights out elite football coming into this game. I do think on a positive note, if you're looking for something, it is that they are starting to play better as the season goes on and are coming off their single best game. Um, But I do think it comes down to are they willing to open up the offense? It's really interesting as far as I look at it, because when I look at this game, you know, we, we spent all offseason talking about Kentucky and the new passing game. And for people who don't know, they hired this offensive coordinator from the NFL, Liam Cohen, former Rams wide receiver coach under Sean McVay. And we were told they're going to throw the, you know, they're going to turn it to the Rams. They're going to throw the ball all over the field. Here are Will Levis's pass attempts in SEC play. Will Levis is Kentucky's starting quarterback. He threw 18 passes against Missouri. He threw 22 passes against South Carolina. He threw 17 passes against Florida, 17 passes against LSU. Why is that important? You got to open it up against Georgia. Right now, Kentucky, for all the talk about how much they've changed the offense, how much they've changed, they currently rank 115th nationally in pass attempts per game. They are going to have to open it up to to win. I did pick Georgia in my official picks to cover the spread. Uh, You know, this is just a bad matchup for Kentucky. You know, Kentucky plays a very similar game to Georgia, and Georgia has the best athletes in the country this year. All my picks available, by the way, at AaronTorresOnline.com. Let's get to some other games from this weekend, then we'll get to some college hoops. On top of uh, Kentucky-Georgia, the other one that's super – there's a bunch, actually, in the SEC that are super intriguing to me. Alabama at Mississippi State. And this number has been all over the board as far as the point spread is concerned. Alabama opened as a 17-point favorite. They got all the way up to 18 points. And now, as I record here, uh, against uh, as we get ready for this game, it is back down to 17. And I'll just tell you, you know, my concern with Alabama, I don't think this is an elite team by Nick Saban's standards. Not to say they can't run, the, you know, that, to say they can't win out, go to the SEC championship game, maybe beat Georgia by then. But right now, they're not there. And what I go back to is a couple things. I go back to that Ole Miss game where I've been telling you for two weeks. Were they that impressive or did Ole Miss just give the game away? Beyond that, on top of that, I go back to this. 
their two road games this year, this is what has happened. Two true road games. Take, not Miami on a neutral field, not at home. Two true road games. They win 31-29 at the Swamp against Florida. In that game, by the way, uh, Florida outscored them. What was it? Uh, you know, Alabama 26-10 to over the final three quarters of that game. And then last week they lost to, to, to Texas A&M. If you're looking for some positives, they had over 500 yards of offense against Texas A&M. If you're looking for some negatives, second straight performance where they did not look great on the road, where the crowd seemed to get to them. And now, by the way, Mississippi State is going, is going to be loud and bonkers Saturday night in Stark Vegas. The other thing, I found this stat this week, and I talked about it on the college football betting show. Um, Alabama is giving up almost 70% completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks in SEC play. That's not good. And so we talk about Zach Calzada having a career game last week. Is he having a career game, or is this defensive backfield just struggling, especially on the road, especially against good competition? And so the big question is, can they get stops, and will they get stops against this Mississippi State defense uh, offense Excuse me, with Will Rogers? Now, it's worth noting, and I should mention this, Will Roger, or, uh, Mississippi State last year did lose to Alabama 41-0. They had the answers for the air raid last year, but this is a new Mississippi State team. I think it can be close. I do like Mississippi State to cover, but Alabama to win outright. Let's keep rolling through. SEC slate, you know, a line that is just absolutely fascinating. LSU is at home. They opened as a 10-point underdog at home, got all the way up to 12 on... Wednesday afternoon, as I record here Thursday night, it is back down to, quote-unquote, only 11.5 points. But it speaks to where LSU is at right now. And the scary thing for LSU, things have somehow gotten worse since we last saw them in that Kentucky game. Derek Stingley, All-American cornerback, has been out for the year. This week, Kayshawn Boutte, love the name, by the way, Kayshawn Boutte, uh, their leading wide receiver, basically their only real elite skill position player, he is now out for the year. Eli Ricks, a cornerback who was an All-American type candidate, is out for the year as well. So on top of the fact that you're not playing well, on top of the fact you can't move the ball, you just lost maybe your best remaining offensive player and your best remaining defensive player in the same week for the season. And I would also add, just overall injuries are taking a toll. I saw Brody Miller, who I think does an excellent job covering this team, he tweeted out that, you know, basically you could argue that probably of the top 10 players from LSU's fall camp, probably about seven of them are lost to injury right now. And so they come into this game against Florida. I really don't know what to make of it. This is one that if I was betting, I just would stay away because this number feels way too high, 11 and a half at home, especially when you consider that LSU historically has had recent success against Florida. They've won eight of the last 11. They were actually a 24-point underdog last year in the swamp and won outright. But at the same time, they're so banged up, I don't know how in good conscience you can bet LSU. And then at the same time, let's also remember, home field advantage is a real thing in college football this year. I don't know if there's going to be a home field advantage for LSU on Saturday. The fans are checked out. It's an 11 a.m. East, uh, 11 a.m. Central local time kickoff. LSU fans love the night games because they love to tailgate all day. And I just look at this game and I sit there and say, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a home field advantage. And oh, by the way, they fall down 14-0 in the first quarter. Those fans are going to bail, and those fans are going to boo. And so this one is fascinating. We know what Florida is about. They run the ball really well against a banged-up LSU uh, you know, defense. I expect Florida to win. The point spread kind of has me thinking that LSU probably keeps it close enough to cover, but they are an absolute mess right now. A couple other SEC games. Uh, where are we going to go? Oh, Arkansas-Auburn. Arkansas-Auburn is pretty straightforward. Which team... 
is less banged up mentally and physically coming into this game. Auburn, it is worth noting with Auburn, um, lost to Georgia last week, uh, obviously beat LSU two weeks ago. And so what's going to be fascinating with them is just physically how are they going to handle up, handle uh, coming off a big emotional game against Georgia where Georgia kicked the crap out of them because Georgia kicks the crap out of everybody. That is not a knock in any way. On uh, That is not a knock on any way of Auburn. Um, but the other thing with Auburn that I do think is kind of interesting is this. They played really three marquee games coming into this this game. And I still don't think I know how good they are. They lost to Penn State. No shame in losing to Penn State. They're a really good football team. Um, lost at uh, against Georgia at home. No shame in losing to Georgia. Georgia's a really good football team. LSU game, though, is kind of interesting because we see them beat LSU, first win at LSU since 1999. And, uh, you know, I think we sit there and say, great win, and it was, but they were also trailing by two scores. They were down 19-10 going into the fourth quarter. And so if they don't have that furious rally, do we feel the same way about them right now as we do I do not know. I will probably stay away from this game as well. I do think from Arkansas's perspective, how do they bounce back from the emotional letdown of, of course, losing to uh, Ole Miss on the final play of the game? The good news for Arkansas, they did have in their defense over 700 yards of total offense. So that's kind of cool if you're an Arkansas fan. And then on top of that, uh, also I do think getting home will be good for them. They've played back-to-back road games at Georgia and at Ole Miss last week. Really, really interesting game. Last game I want to get to on this week's slate, and then we'll get to some hoops. Um, Speaking of Ole Miss, you know where they're playing this weekend, right? Playing at some school called Tennessee, Rocky Top, Tennessee. And for the younger audience, for the uh, non-super plugged-in audience, uh, never forget, Lane Kiffin is currently the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, Lane Kiffin, at one point in his career, many years ago, some of you may not even remember, was the head coach of Tennessee. And it was a messy, messy, messy divorce. If you go back and watch the video, it is insane. But Lane Kiffin, after one year, elects to leave Tennessee. And there were literally riots on campus. And he couldn't leave his office to, to go pack his bags, to pack up his house to go to USC until 4 in the morning when the riot finally subsided. And I'll tell you this, uh, this is not the first time Lane Kiffin is coming back to Tennessee since that happened, but, you know, he was the Alabama offensive coordinator a couple times. I don't think it got super – there wasn't a, a ton of vitriol. But I think Tennessee fans kind of knew we're going to lose to Alabama anyway, so let's just appreciate this guy for who he is. You know, he's taken some lumps since he left. We took some lumps since he's left, whatever. Well, this year – Tennessee is playing a really good football right now. 102,000 people are expected in Neyland Stadium. First sellout since 2017. And I think this crowd is going to be coming for blood. So you look at this game. I think it is absolutely going to be fascinating. I think Tennessee keeps it close because they're going to go score for score. Ole Miss in their one game on the road recently against Alabama did not look good. Um, and I just sit there and say, I, I, you know, I just sit there and say there's something about this crowd. There's something about this point spread. Tennessee opened as a three-point underdog. It is down to er, three-point underdog at home. It is down to two and a half points. I think this is going to be a great one. You want the essence of college football. Old Miss at Tennessee, that is going to be something special. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk a little college hoops. Shaden Sharp, number one high school player in America, committed to Kentucky. He may be coming to campus early. I'll give you some details on that. Also, Jordan Walsh, a kid who I think is like a really, really good college basketball player, uh, coming next year. He's in high school now, commits. We're going to talk about his decision, what it means for college hoops. We'll be right back. 
All right, everybody, for the final time today, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I want to wrap with some college hoops. And it's funny because what, about five, six weeks ago, I told you, guys, girls, I know you love college hoops. I know you love to, to come to the Aratorius podcast for your college hoops coverage, but uh, I don't know how much college hoops news there will be. Well, one, we've had a steady stream between Shaden Sharp committing, Nick Smith, Jaden Bradley, uh, Derek Lively. One, we've had plenty of con- content. But then two, on top of that, probably worth mentioning, the season's like three weeks away. Like, like the season is coming up really quick. Duke, Kentucky at Madison Square Garden is going to be here before we know it. Uh, and we're going to be getting into the games and we're going to be doing all the stuff that we normally do. I will start doing some preview stuff in the coming weeks. If the college football news cycle would slow down, I'd be able to do some more preview stuff. Uh, we'll try to get some guests in as well. But I just bring it up because it is a very fun time. And there's actually some, there, there were two big nuggets in college hoops that I want to get to. One involving the number one player in America, Shaden Sharp. Another involving a top 10 prospect named Jordan Walsh. We will get to both. Let's start with Shaden Sharp. As I just said, number one high school player in America, about a month ago commits to the University of Kentucky. We talk about it on this show, and from there, we kind of think it's over. It's great for Kentucky. First uh, number one player in America to commit to Kentucky in a really long time. They're starting to reestablish themselves as a recruiting power, as maybe the recruiting power in college basketball, and that's where we think it's going to end. Revenge tours upon us, the season's ahead of us, and they're also cleaning up in recruiting. Then we get a little bit of a twist on Wednesday night. Travis Branham from 24-7 Sports reports that Shaden Sharp, the number one player in high school basketball right now, could reclassify. Reclassify is the wrong word. He could graduate early this year, not wait until the spring, could graduate in January, enroll in Kentucky for the spring semester, and practice with the team. The goal would be not to be to get on the court this this year. The goal would not be to play as soon as he got to campus. It would be to practice with the team, and it would be to prepare for the next season, 2022-2023, the year that he was originally intended to come to campus. Now, obviously, on the surface, I think there are a lot of good things that come out of that if you're Kentucky. First of all, you get the number one player in America on campus early. You allow him to get comfortable on campus, comfortable with his teammates, know where the dorms are, know where the practice facility is, know where the cafeteria is, know where all the good parties are. No, I'm just kidding. Those kids don't do that. They're, they're good people. I'm just teasing. But I bring it up because th- there's a lot of pluses to it. On top of that, you get weight training at the college level. You get nutrition at the college level. And most importantly, you are practicing against really, really, really good, talented players, you will get better in the process, better than playing high school basketball, and hopefully, in theory, you will make the players on the team better, and I think Shaden Sharp would, because I didn't even mention, but he's about a 6'4", 6'5", combo guard that I think is awesome, and if he plays college basketball for Kentucky in two years, is going to have a Jalen Suggs-type impact on Kentucky's roster. On top of that, and I don't think this can be under-discussed, in the era of Uh, pro leagues trying to poach players this is also great for Kentucky because you get them to campus six months earlier it eliminates the G League coming in at the last minute with some crazy over-the-top offer with overtime elite coming in with some over-the-top offer I'm not saying that would happen but remember those leagues have done that before. Dacian Nix was supposed to go to UCLA. At the last minute, he gets an offer from the G League Ignite team. He does not go to UCLA. They were fine without him. But I bring it up because, obviously, uh, that is always going to be a fear with these pro leagues uh, available. Where it gets interesting, though, 
and this is where it's fascinating, and to be blunt, I do not have a direct answer to this, is that there is at least a possibility that if he enrolls early, that it could potentially speed up his NBA draft clock, and that is where you should potentially be worried if you're a Kentucky fan. So let me backtrack. I've talked about it many times before, but as I've said on this show a million times, in the one-and-done era, there are two stipulations for American-born high school players to be eligible for the NBA draft. I know Shaden Sharp is originally from Canada, but he kind of counts as an American-born player. There are two stipulations to be eligible for the NBA draft. You have to be 19 years old, okay? You have to be 19 years old in the year of the NBA draft in which you are entering. Can't be younger than that. NBA doesn't want 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids graduating high school early and declaring for the draft. You have to be at least 19 years old in the year of the NBA draft. And two, you have to be one year removed from high school basketball. And so that's where it would get interesting if Shaden Sharp elects to go to Kentucky. And right now, I don't believe that we have 100% clarification because here's the catch. Shaden Sharp is currently 18 years old, turned 18 in May of this year. That means that next year, if he were to enroll in Kentucky in December of this year, January of 2022 coming up, he will turn 19 next calendar year. So the question now becomes, is he considered a graduate of the high school class of 2021 or the high school class of 2022? And I don't think anybody has the definitive answer to that right now. Now, I've seen all sorts of varying reports. I saw the Lexington Herald leader. They have great reporters there. I'm not criticizing them. I'm not saying they're definitively wrong, but they what they said is that Shaden Sharp would still be considered a high school member of the class of 2022. He, even though he would technically graduate in the winter of 2021, and because of it, he would not be eligible for the NBA draft. That is a best case scenario for Kentucky. You get him to campus, you get him working out with the guys, and he's got to stay for the 2022-2023 season. What I am telling you definitively, is that while that is out there right now, I am not 100% positive that is accurate. And again, I'm not questioning the credibility. I'm not questioning the reporting of the Lexington Herald-Leader. What I am just telling you is I have talked to people in basketball that are not 100% sure that if Shaden Sharp gets to Kentucky at the end of 2021 into 2022, turns 19 in 2022, that he will not be eligible for the NBA draft. And so right now, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, it isn't time. By the way, I should mention, the reason that's concerning is if he de- if he is eligible for the 2022 NBA draft, it means that he could declare for the 2022 NBA draft and never play at Kentucky. So I didn't even make that clear, but it's an important distinction. If he is eligible, what that means is he could declare for the draft, play, uh, you know, come to Kentucky, train for six months, and never step on the court at Kentucky, declare for the NBA draft. It is a little bit different. This actually happened at Kentucky about five or six years ago with a kid named Hamadou Diallo. Now, Hamadou Diallo had graduated high school uh, in the spring, then was doing a post-grad year, decided to enroll in Kentucky in January. I know I'm going all over the place, but I hope this makes sense. Decided to enroll in January, and I only bring it up because he actually declared for the draft and went through the process and almost uh, you know, went into the draft without ever playing a game for Kentucky. And so the question now becomes, would Shaden Sharp be eligible to do the same? Many outlets are reporting that he would not be eligible. I am just telling you, I am not 100% positive that that's accurate, and there is the possibility that he could be eligible. Now, that doesn't mean he'd declare. That doesn't mean if he declares that he would definitively leave. But if the option is open, there is at least that possibility that he would never play a minute at Kentucky 
enroll in Jan- in January of 2022, practice with the team, declare for the draft next year. And if he declares, I do think that he's good enough to go probably in the lottery uh, and that possibility exists. So again, Kentucky fans, it is not yet time to freak out. I feel a terrible show for Kentucky fans. I'm talking about Mark Stoops and I'm talking about Shaden Sharp. Uh, and I would say too, one, he hasn't officially made this decision yet. And then two, on top of that, what I would also say is that even if he does make the decision, by the time that decision is made, we should have clarification. It sounds like, like I said, the the Herald leader is convinced that he would not be eligible. As of right now, the information that I have, I am not so sure. With that said, one last college basketball topic before we get out of here. You ready for this? We got ourselves another commitment from a top 10 player in high school basketball, top 15, top 20, depending on what recruiting service you're going to. But more big news as on Thursday night, Jordan Walsh, big, athletic, 6'7 guard, really talented player we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, Jordan Walsh, 6'7 guard, originally from Dallas, playing high school ball at Linkier Prep in Missouri this year, made his college decision. Texas was in the mix. Texas Tech was in the mix. But... Drum roll, please. Jordan Walsh has committed to the University of Arkansas, Eric Musselman, the Hogs, Woo Pig Suey. Arkansas just got themselves a heck of a commitment in Jordan Walsh. And I just got one question. Can anything stop the big pig invasion? With that said, let's get into this this commitment because this is a big one, okay? Here's the thing about me. If you listen to this show, I talk about a lot of these big high school players when they commit, and I'll tell you if I think a kid is special. Um, I thought Paulo Bancaro, who is at Duke this year, preseason first-team All-American, in some circles, many believe, that kid is awesome. Um, You know, I I, I thought Cade Cunningham was going to be really good. I thought um, whoever, Jalen Suggs, was going to be really good. But I'll also tell you if I don't think a guy is as good as the recruiting services say. Why do I bring it up? It is because I think Jordan Walsh is not only really good, I think he's actually being underrated in many of the recruiting services. And as they update their recruiting rankings, I expect him to shoot up the recruiting big boards. Again, top 10 prospect according to ESPN, uh, kind of a a top 20-ish or so prospect according to 24-7 Sports. I'll just tell you this straight up. Eric Musselman would not take a freshman high school player if he did not believe the kid could play in the NBA. So that's really the definitive ranking that you need. If Eric Musselman thinks you're good enough to step in as a a freshman in Arkansas and play, then that means you're an NBA player, um, and that is the definitive recruiting ranking. But in terms of Jordan Walsh, who he is, what he does, what he does well, big kid. Not big in like a seven-foot-one type thing, but he's a guard. He's about six-foot-seven, and I'm just telling you, this guy put on the film the tape pops, right? Because sometimes when you watch these high school kids, you can see, okay, this kid can do this at the high school level, but will it translate in college and will it translate with a top 10, top 15 prospect at the NBA level? This kid, Jordan Walsh, is an elite of elite athlete. Six foot seven, six foot eight, handles the ball, can take you off the dribble. Uh, Super, super, super athletic, strong finisher, kind of one of those fearless finishers that when he gets in the lane, he's going up strong and he's leaving it up to you to stop him. Good luck with that. And so Jordan Walsh, uh, just an insanely talented player, needs to work on the three-point shooting a little bit, but hey, nobody's perfect coming out of high school. And I would also add this. Everybody I talk to in high school basketball circles, here's the other thing. He's got a motor, he plays really hard, and he plays on both ends of the floor. And it's one thing to be talented. 
it's one thing to be super athletic. It's another thing to be a high school kid where you know you're the best player on the floor and you're still the hardest playing player on the floor. That is who Jordan Walsh is, and that is why so many coaches were after this kid. He is going to compete. He is going to play, uh, and he's just going to be really phenomenal at the college level. In terms of the bigger picture, though, let's talk about the bigger picture because this, to me, is the important part of this commitment. Yes, Jordan Walsh is special. Yes, I believe he is an NBA player. Yes, I believe he's probably a one and done. But let's not forget, it was about three weeks ago that I talked about another top 10 player committing to Arkansas, and that was Nick Smith Jr., guard out of Little Rock. Nick Smith Jr. and Jordan Walsh are both committed to Arkansas now, and I'm just going to say it. Arkansas basketball, in a short amount of time, under Eric Musselman has become a recruiting destination for elite high school players, and that is something that was inconceivable even like 18 to 24 months ago. And so credit to Coach Muss, credit to his staff. They have sold that they have more NBA experience collectively as a coaching staff than any staff in America, and boy, oh boy, is that pitch working in recruiting. As I said, Nick Smith, top 10 player, Jordan Walsh, top 10 player, but it really goes back, I think, again, I talked about this when Nick Smith committed, but I think part of it has to go back to that first recruiting class when Coach Musk got to Arkansas. He comes from Nevada. He's had all sorts of success recruiting transfers. He had one high school All-American at Nevada. It didn't really work out. Not going to blame the kid, but the kid has struggled throughout college, even post-leaving Coach Musselman, and so you bring it up, but coming to Arkansas, there was this big question. Could he recruit high school players? And what were they going to do in a system where there are always older players and transfers in the system? Well, in year one, he goes out, gets some kid named Moses Moody, who ends up being the SEC player, the SEC freshman of the year. Some believe he should have been SEC player of the year. Um, averages 17 points per game and ends up being a lottery pick of the Golden State Warriors. Oh, by the way, by the time the NCAA tournament came around, not sure if you heard, Arkansas, first Elite Eight since 1995, first Sweet 16 since 1996. Not sure if you remember, but in that NCAA tournament, it wasn't just Moses Moody that was having an impact. It was Devo Davis, who was a freshman, I believe the SEC player of the year this year, the preseason favorite, and also Jalen Williams, another freshman. So I believe that it was actually the 2020 class that really is setting up what we are seeing now. We are seeing the fruits of the labor. They sold, the coaching staff sold that 2020 high school class. Moses Moody, Devo Davis, Jalen Williams on a vision of what Arkansas could be. Those kids came, those kids delivered on the vision with the coaching staff, and now we're seeing the fruits of the labor where we have two top 10 players in the high school class of 2022 committed to Arkansas. And that is just insane if you think about it. And Arkansas fans, if you're listening, this is no disrespect. I'm not talking down to your program. I know the history. I know that, you know, outside of Kentucky, Arkansas has as much basketball history as anyone in the SEC and probably underrated historically on how great the program has been. Still, we all know what it has been probably the last, what, 15, 20 years after Nolan Richardson prior to Eric Musselman. Good program, NCAA tournaments, but not elite. Now look at this. You make an Elite Eight, and right now, as we speak, I'm looking at the top 10 high school players in America, according to ESPN.com. Three are committed to Duke. One is committed to Kentucky. One is committed to Baylor, which is the reigning national champion. One is committed to UCLA. One is committed to Bama, which obviously won the SEC regular season and postseason last year. So think about that. There's only 10 top 10 players in America. 
Duke got three of them. Kentucky got one of them. UCLA got one of them. Pretty good programs. And oh, by the way, the reigning national championship, Baylor got one. You know who got two? University of Arkansas. And that is a testament to the program that Coach Muss is building. It's a testament to the success of the freshmen last year. Last thought, it's starting to get scary for everybody else in the SEC, baby, because listen, there is a, a, an elite tier, I believe, separating itself in this league, and this is going to be the best league in college basketball. Kentucky's always going to be good. I believe Nate Oates and Alabama are going to be good as long as Nate Oates is there, and I don't think he's going anywhere for a while. You can criticize Will Wade. He always has his team ready to go. Bruce Pearl always has his team ready to go. Rick Barnes always has his team ready to go. But this Arkansas thing ain't slowing down. And when you look at the fact that they are probably going to finish with no worse than I would guess the number three recruiting class in the country. I think Duke's going to be number one. Kentucky probably has the chance to be number two. And on top of that, Arkansas is going to be either number two or three behind Duke. You're talking about a top three recruiting class at Arkansas. On top of that, think about what Coach Must does in the transfer portal. So now you almost have a deal like what is going on at Kentucky, where Kentucky is going to get those two, three elite high school players a year. They're going to get really good players out of the transfer portal, and they're going to have a perennial top 10, top 12 team every single year. And that's what we're trending with Arkansas, because we know nobody hits that portal harder than Must. And you're starting next year, regardless of who stays, who goes, who goes pro. Is Devo Davis good enough to go to the NBA? You're starting with two top 10 high school prospects, and you've already been cleaning up in the portal. And so I only bring it up to say, this thing is just getting started at Arkansas. If you're an Arkansas fan, my goodness, the big pig invasion is coming, baby. Are you ready for the big pig invasion? Because it ain't slowing down anytime soon. All right, I think that's it. I'm fired up, ready to run through a wall. I'm ready to run through town with a bunch of warthogs. Okay, I'm out of here. I'm out of my mind. I'm out of my gourd. It's Friday. You guys don't need any more yelling and screaming from me. Uh, let's get out of here before we do. I want to thank you for listening to the Aaron Torres Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you are following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're reading Aaron Torres online. Check it every day. All my writing is there. We got some good NFL writers on and on and on and on and on. Thank you to our partner at DraftKings. By the way, if you have any interest in sponsoring the Aaron Torres podcast, advertising on the Aaron Torres podcast, reaching thousands of listeners a week feel free to email me at aaron torres podcast questions at gmail.com can hit me up on twitter as well but with that said that is all for today's show shout out to torrent craig shout out to rachel who hates my voice shout out to the big pig invasion shout out to the revenge tour coming to kentucky i don't know if shane sharp's playing this year or not i'll see you guys on monday have a great weekend Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.